The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. This is Catholicism, free of charge to our listeners by the generous sponsorship of Australian Catholic Mission, who hope that listeners will spare a prayer or two for vocations and the growth of the one true church in Australia. And now we present This is Catholicism. Welcome to This is Catholicism on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Father Herman Fleece, and I am joined today by Father Desposito, professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida. Thank you, Father, for joining us. Hello, glad to be back. We are going to continue our study of the Catechism of the Catholic Religion by Father de Harbe. Today we are going to see the second article of the Creed and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. So we will start now with the first question. What does this second article of the Creed Teach us. It teaches us that the Redeemer, whom God promised and sent to us, is the only Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And what does the name Jesus signify? Uh, the name Jesus, which comes from a Hebrew word, signifies Savior or Redeemer, and of course denotes the nature of the what our Lord came to do is to save us from sin. Could you give us Father a scriptural reference to for that? Well if you have in the book itself, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's Saint Matthew, the first chapter of Saint Matthew. The third question is what does the word Christ signify? The word Christ in Hebrew, is uh, Messiah, um, signifies anointed. And why is Jesus called the anointed? Uh, this comes from the Old Testament. In the Old Law, the prophets, the high priests, and the kings were anointed with oil, which that today still exists when you ordain a priest, consecrate a bishop, or even a king. And Jesus is our greatest prophet, he's our priest, and he's our king. Why is Jesus called our prophet, priest, and king? Well, first of all, prophet, because he revealed the mysteries of God to us. He taught us all that we are to believe, all that we are to hope and to do in order to be saved. So that instruction, the... Basically, the teaching of the gospel with regard to the things we must do in order to be saved. That's why he's called a prophet. 
and he's called a priest. Because of the sacrifice that he performed in order to save us, and also because he daily sacrifices himself on the altar, the only difference between the sacrifice of the altar and the sacrifice of Calvary is that on the altar our Lord doesn't shed blood, but he's the priest who is at the same time the victim and the offerer of that sacrifice. He's also our mediator and intercessor in heaven for all of us. He's also the king, and this is the third of the three things that he is, because our Lord has established a spiritual kingdom, which is the Catholic Church, and uh, he is the head of the Catholic Church. The Pope is his vicar. Question six, why is Jesus Christ called the only Son of God? Because by nature, he's the only Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. He's the only true and real Son of God. So the uh, from all eternity, God, in God, there is the positions of the persons, the first, the, the Father, generates the second person, the Son, and the Father and the Son um, are the principle of the Holy Ghost. So since the um, the second person proceeds from the Father by way of generation, he's called and is the Son of, of God. Are we not then also children children of God? We are children of God. The difference is that the second person of the Trinity is the natural Son of God from all eternity, as we said, and we are the children of God, but adopted, adopted children by grace, not by nature, but by grace. So our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the second person of the Blessed Trinity incarnate, is the only natural Son of God. But all of us, if we are in the state of grace, are the adopted sons of God, or children of God. Number eight, why is Jesus Christ called our Lord? Well, this is because he's God, and as God and as man. So first, as God, he, um, being one with the Father, he is, like the Father, the Lord and creator of heaven and earth. So one thing that we study here at the seminary in the Treatise on the Trinity is that all of the things that proceed from God, ad extra, that is outside of himself, proceed from the three persons. So the second person is as creator as the Father of the first person, and the Holy Ghost also. So the three persons create, and the this is the first meaning why our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the second person of the, of the Blessed Trinity incarnate, He is um, Lord because he's God. But also as man, his human nature is hypostatically united with the second person of the Blessed Trinity. And therefore his nature is also, uh, or by his nature, he's also Lord. He has redeemed us by sacrificing um, on, on the cross, by performing the sacrifice Uh, of the of the cross and because of the shedding of his blood we have been redeemed of sin and therefore we are 
as uh, as it says in the in the book, his property. We belong to him because he has bought us, as the expression of Saint Paul, with his blood, and because in the same nature he will be one day our judge and our head and king through all eternity. So all of those are the reasons why he is. Our Lord Jesus Christ is our Lord, as the article of today's show, the article of the Creed says. Now we're going to speak about Jesus Christ as the promised Messiah. And the first question in this section, which is number nine, is how do we know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah or Redeemer promised by God? Well, the reason why we know that is because of the the prophecies that were fulfilled, the prophecies of the Old Testament that were fulfilled by Christ about the Redeemer and about his life, about his sufferings. All of those things that you read in the Old Testament, the, the prophecies um, concerning the future Messiahs are fulfilled only by Christ. And uh, that's the, the main argument. So the, also especially the Jews that didn't have uh, didn't have an excuse not to accept the Messiahs because they knew about the prophecies. The book covers very extensively um, many, many prophecies with uh, a great deal of detail. All of the important things about our Lord, his life, his coming, the time of birth, circumstances of his, uh, of his life, passion, his death, even the resurrection, the ascension, the sending of the Holy Ghost, um, the destruction of Jerusalem were, was also prophesied, the rejection of the Jews, the conversion of the Gentiles, the founding and spreading and duration of his church. Um, in the book, you have all the different passages of sacred scripture of the Old Testament in which you find the prophecies, just to go uh, through them, um, we take too much time, I just will name the famous one of Daniel, that foretold that not quite 70 weeks of years, which means 490 years, should elapse from the time when it was commanded that Jerusalem should be rebuilt until the death of Christ. So it's very precise about the time of the birth of our Lord. Same thing with the, uh, the prophecy of Jacob, saying that the power, the scepter, should have been taken away from Judah. And when our Lord was born, uh, Herod was not a Jew, um, but an Edomian. And so that fulfills that prophecy in the time of the birth of Christ. Um, we know also there are prophecies about the uh, Bethlehem, as the place in which our Lord is born, uh, of a virgin, um, of the triumph of Judah, the family of our Lord himself. And uh, the, the, the Magi were the, uh, going to come and uh, worship our Lord as, as, the, as God. Um, we have also prophecies with regard to his public teaching, the miraculous cures, um, the virtues of Christ, the different virtues, especially meekness, this charity towards, towards people, um, the very entering into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday upon an ass. That was, was prophesied, and you can see the amount of detail in the prophecies of the Old Testament about the passion uh, and death of Christ, even the, the especially by Isaiah, is called by some 
um, usually it's called like uh, the, the fifth gospel, if I'm not mistaken, the how much detail there is in Isaiah when speaking about the passion of Christ. So many, many things about the, the what happened in, during the passion um, were prophesied in the Old Testament that he was going to be sold by 30 pieces of silver. Um, the uh, even the uh, that he was going to be <clears throat> be given gall and vinegar to drink, the piercing of his hands and feet, the cast uh, when they uh, cast lusts for his garment, um, all of the other circumstances of mocking our Lord, the and uh, things like that. So which are very precise. So the amount of detail again only. Of course, that proves the uh, the fulfillment of the prophecies, but also that the prophecies themselves are true, and that only only God is able to know so many details about something of of the distant future about the Messiah, um, about the resurrection and ascension of Christ, the sending of the Holy Ghost. There are also prophecies, and. Um, uh, it was also foretold the destruction of Jerusalem. So I will read here the uh, the text of the book. After the Messiah shall have been slain, a people with their leader shall come and destroy Jerusalem and the temple, and the desolation shall continue even to the consummation and to the end. So even today, after 2,000 years, the, uh, the the temple is still not rebuilt. And by the way, that's uh, according to to some authors and I think fathers of the church, the rebuild of rebuilding of the of the temple will coincide with the the time of the the of the last times and the at the end of times in the second coming of Christ. So that we should be also looking to what is going on in Israel today to see if there are signs about the some the, the, the prophecies are being fulfilled even today, about the second coming of Christ. We we know, for example, the great apostasy that has happened, um, still didn't happen, is the conversion of the Jews. Um, but, so that's, that's something that uh, uh, is interesting, that in the same way that the, the Old Testament prophecies were perfectly fulfilled by our Lord. Also, those prophecies concerning the end of times are, are being fulfilled, and uh, one by one, and given us the signs of the times. <clears throat> Another prophecy is the, is the very conversion of the Gentiles, something that uh, the the Jews were not able to understand, that the whole world was going to become um, mem- uh, basically uh, worshiping worshippers of, of the true God. And so they, the prophets prophesied that the Messiah shall be the light of the Gentiles, and that all nations of the earth shall be blessed uh, in him, that he shall establish a new sacrifice and a new priesthood. So it, the very sacrifice of the mass was prophesied. The founding of the kingdom of God that sh- uh, shall reach from sea to sea to the end of the earth and shall never be destroyed and stand forever. Again, you have the all of the... the um, the texts that you need to, um, you you want to go and, and read the actual prophecies of the Old Testament. You have the references in the book. 
And for how long before the coming of Christ did the prophets prophesy? Well, to give you an example, the last of the prophets, which is Malachi, prophesied 450 years before Christ. So it's a long time, and that's the last of the prophets. So, um, uh, and did the Jews uh, know these uh, prophecies? Yes, they they had the study of the, of the scriptures, and uh, they knew the prophecies, even the the common people they knew it was part of their the whole um of the jewish religion or the co- the culture of the of, of of the the jewish people to know about this because again they were waiting for the messiah it's not there was not something that they 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 couldn't relate to but they were es- es- um, expecting the messiah the redeemer that was the, the whole point of being the chosen people is to receive the messiah and they uh, many many centuries before the the birth of Christ, those prophecies had been uh, written, so uh, and they were preserved by the Jews and handed over by tradition too, and uh, translated into many languages uh, also. So even not only the Jews, but even um, they were spread among the pagan nations. And going now to the times of the New Testament. Um the book asks here if uh, did not also Christ and the apostles appeal to the testimony of the prophets? Yes, and that was one of the main, I would say, um, proofs or confirmations of the divine mission of the uh, of our Lord and of the apostles in preaching the gospel. Because the once you have, they of course understood. It was understood by the apostles and, of course, our Lord himself that the the Jews had great reverence for the for this prof- these prophecies, the authority of the prophecies. And um, it was very important to make uh, them understand, the Jews, that those prophecies were being fulfilled at that time so that there was no doubt that the Messiah had arrived. So... Again, our Lord himself was uh, uh, told many times, the Jews, that those prophecies were being fulfilled and that they had, they, they um, uh, basically um, sh- should have received him because of the very fact of the prophecies being fulfilled. The same thing with the apostles when they preached the, the, the gospel after the ascension of Christ, the in order to convince the Jews, they they used they made use of the of those prophecies in order to uh, basically tell them that 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 was the time of the um, of the Messiah and that he should be accepted because the prophecies have been fulfilled. Father, and besides the prophecies, the author uh, speaks about uh, those types or figures which were fulfilled also by our Lord in his deeds and his passion. And uh, could you tell us a little about those? Yes, absolutely. Many things concerning Christ and the things that our Lord did were prefigured in the Old Testament as the, the passion and death of Christ, his priesthood, his office of prophet and uh, mediator, uh, his resurrection, remember the example of Jonas in the whale's belly, three days, that was a, a pre, prefigure of the, of our Lord being in the sepulchre for three days. 
even the church and the holy sacraments are uh, prefigured by the ark, the Red Sea, the manna. That's a very convenient figure of the, the sacrament of the of Holy Communion, the Eucharist. And the temple is also a symbol of uh, the church and of the sacrifices and the sacrifice of the Mass. So many, when you read the Old Testament, you have to take into account the, the different meanings, the literal, the symbolic, and also the different types of, of Christ and of the church that appear in the um, and the revealed Word of God in the Old Testament. Yes, very interesting and some, something really to uh, keep in mind uh, that, uh, yes, the Old Testament um, is a prefiguration of um, the New Testament and the coming of, of our Lord. The next point, Father, speaks about Jesus Christ, uh, the true God. Uh, from where do we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and true God, Father? We have five sources in the Catechism here enumerated. We know because of the prophecies that we already spoke about, also from the testimony of the God the Father revealing himself and pointing out to Christ as his son and the, the Messiah, from uh, the very testimony of Christ, from the teaching of the apostles, and from the doctrine of the Catholic Church. Um, with regard to the prophets, uh, they call our Lord the promised Redeemer, God, God with us, the Emmanuel, the saint of saints, the wonderful, the father of the world to come. So he's not only the Messiah, as we already said, but he's even the son of God. Um, God himself will come and will save you. It's another quotation of sacred scripture in the Old Testament. Jeremiah says, this is the name that shall, that they shall call him the Lord, our just one. And remember that the, to call someone the Lord only applies to God. So if if our Lord or if the Messiah was going to be called the Lord, that means that the Messiah is not only that, the, not only has the office of being the uh, a Messiah, but he's also God, the heavenly heavenly Father. Also made a a testimony for Christ and at the baptism of our Lord in the Jordan. In the Transfiguration, remember the miracle of the Transfiguration? Um, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So it's very clear. And Christ himself, he testified that he is the Son of God, that he is the true God, like the Father. He confirmed his testimony, and this is, this is very important, by his, the holiness of his life, and by the miracles and prophecies. So it is easy to say, I am God, but of course you have to prove that. That's the whole, the, the, the big difference between a, uh, a prophet and a false prophet, in this case between uh, a true God that proves by signs that he is what he is uh, saying of himself. So the, the, the main or the, the biggest but the greatest of the miracles was to rise from the dead by his own power, our Lord, proving perfectly with no doubt that he is God. And um, uh, the miracles, as the next question says, are extraordinary works 
that cannot be done by natural powers. They required God, so the omnipotence of God. So a, a miracle to, in order to be a true miracle is something that can only be done by God. So, um, that's the main sign that we have in order to know that something proceeds from God is when we see a miracle or a prophecy being fulfilled. Those, both of those, uh, those things happened with regard to Christ when he said he was his God. He performed miracles to prove that and he fulfilled uh, prophecies. And uh, Father, which are the principal miracles that our Lord did? Well, the most, I would say, uh, celebrated ones are the conversion in, of water into wine. Um, when he fed many people with the, a few loaves of bread, multiplying the bread, and at least in two occasions that I will, that that's recorded in the gospel. Um, when he calmed down the, the winds and the waves on the, oh, in the, uh, in the, on the sea, he was on a boat. He cured diseases of all kinds. Um, the casting out of devils that he did many times and raising, uh, raising people from, from the dead. Especially Lazarus that was uh, significant because had been uh, for a while in the sepulchre and his corpse was already rotting and our Lord rose him from the dead. And of course, he, his own resurrection after three days, the ascension into heaven and that was all witnessed by his disciples. Those are a few of the more most uh, known miracles, they, of course, prove that our Lord comes from God and also that he is God himself. And uh, um, because the the person who is performing these miracles said of himself that he's the son of God, and um, um, well, a general principle is that God will never permit a true miracle to happen in order to confirm people in error. So when you see a true miracle happening, happening, uh, that is something that only God can do. And if it is, it is in a, to confirm people in the faith, to confirm some, some truth, um, with regard to our Lord, if he is saying that he's the son of God, that he's God himself, God incarnate, uh, it is impossible that God will permit a miracle to be performed in confirmation of that if that's not a, uh, the truth. So the, how did our Lord confirm the doctrine of his divinity by prophecies? Um, he foretold many things which only God can know, things of the future which are contingent, that is that that, that don't happen by necessity, but, but they depend, depend on the free will of people. The betrayal of, uh, by Judas that was prophesied by our Lord. Um, the denial of Peter. Remember that Peter even sweared to our Lord that he was never going to abandon him and he was ready to die for him. But our Lord said, no, you're going to deny me. And he did, of course. The manner of our Lord, uh, our, uh, of our Lord's death was, uh, also uh, predicted his resurrection, his ascension, 
And those are examples uh, of prophecies that our Lord himself made and were uh, fulfilled. And for the author uh, in question uh, 31 uh, says, which prophecies of Christ do we still see being accomplished? And uh, obviously um, this book was written more than 100 years ago. Um, so um, we'd like to explain a little um, uh, something about these points. Yes, because the first of, of those uh, prophecies that were still being fulfilled at the time was that the gospel was being preached in the whole world. And we know that that actually has happened, has been preached in the whole world. One of the signs of the, um, of the, basically of the end of times, probably not a proximate sign, but at least a remote sign of the, of the end of times. And another thing that is still, even today, being fulfilled, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And that's being fulfilled today, even after so many years of the vacancy of the Roman See. You see that uh, even this simple show, the catechism teaching the, the faith, um, is a confirmation of that, that still there are Catholics, still the faith and the sacraments are being preserved. And in the middle of uh, so much confusion with regard to... Um, I would say the structures of the church, the vacancy of the sea, etc. Still, the faith is alive. The sacraments are being uh, conferred, uh, not only validly, but licitly by those who are not or have nothing to do with the heritage of Vatican II. Um, the temple of Jerusalem still down, has not been rebuilt as a prophecy of our Lord. Again, as I said before, that uh, it is a sign of the end of times that the rebuild of the of the of the temple still is not happening, but we see certain signs that that that's, uh, it's becoming more and more of a possibility um, that they they are going to try to uh, rebuild this uh, the temple of Jerusalem. And um, getting close to the end, we have the next question. Uh, which is, how did Jesus seal the doctrine of his divinity with his death? When it was when he answered the high priest, um, uh, the high priest had uh, asked him in a very solemn manner, um, even uh, in the name of, of the living God, uh, if he was the the Christ, if he was the Messiah, if he was the Son of God, and our Lord very, very solemnly uh, answered that in the affirmative, saying that, yes, he's the Christ, he's the Son of God, and that he um, uh, shall sit in the right hand of God, and they, meaning the high priest and the and the, the everybody in the, the authority of the, of the synagogue, shall see him sitting on the right hand of the power of God coming in the clouds of heaven. Of course, that was the testimony that that was the, the grounds for the accusation of blasphemy according to the Jewish law, etc. Not believing in our Lord, not believing in his miracles, in the signs and the prophecies. The high, uh, high priests uh, of the synagogue, they put our Lord to death in this way, um, sealing the, 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 the doctrine of the divinity of Christ. Our Lord died in order to Proof that he was, uh, he is the, the son of, of God and the Messiah. 
what do the apostles teach uh, concerning Jesus Christ? From the very beginning of the church, they um, after the ascension, the apostles uh, began teaching that our Lord Jesus Christ is the, the true God. No doubt about that. Even the fourth gospel uh, of St. John was written in order to prove that against the first heresies that were denying the divinity of Christ, that our Lord possessed all the fullness of the Godhead, all the perfections of God, and that all creatures should adore him. So because our Lord um, is God, is the second person of the Blessed Trinity incarnate. And, and the apostles were very, very clear from the beginning that that was the doctrine that we all should accept. That's the faith. And um, and again, that was the... the the foundation of, of all of the other doctrines that comes with it, the, the, even the, the institution of the church itself, in order to preserve the deposit of the faith and to make it available, uh, all the uh, revelation, make it available to the whole world. We have reached um, the last uh, question, which is number 34. And with this, we will close uh, today's uh, episode. What does the Catholic Church teach of Jesus Christ? Well, the Catholic Church has ever believed and taught that our Lord Jesus Christ is true God of one substance with God the Father. So, and you have the, the symbols of the, of the, of the different councils, uh, for example, of the, the symbol of the Council of Nicaea that, uh, you have the, that uh, consubstantiality between the Father and the Son, there is excommunication uh, to those who deny this, and this is the faith of the Church concerning our Lord, that He is consubstantial with the Father, He is the Son of God, He is a true God, and all of the uh, the martyrs of the first centuries uh, confirmed this by dying for this truth. They were witness, witnesses to the truth of uh, our Lord, that his God, that God himself came to redeem us from sin, and uh, he died on the cross for us. And by the way, that was the only way to redeem man, because the in, the offense of sin was uh, infinite, in the sense that God, being um, infinite himself, uh, he needed a an infinite reparation for the sin of man, even though man himself is not a, an infinite being, but the offense was infinite because the person offended was infinite. And that make, made it, uh, in a way, uh, necessary for God himself to come, become incarnate, and shed his blood for us. So that's the... Um, the whole, um, I'll say the summary of this, of this article that our Lord Jesus Christ is God and he came to, uh, to us in order to save us from, from sin. Very well, Father, I think it's a good time to stop now. We have covered the whole article. Uh, next time we will uh, see article uh, three. And, um, thank you, Father, for having joined us today. Thank you very much. 
And I would like to thank also our listeners, and I invite you to join us also next time. God bless you. This is Catholicism is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to mail at truerestoration.org. We would again wish to thank the generous sponsorship of Australian Catholic Mission. If you have any questions for Father Nicholas Disposito or feedback on this episode, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at catechism at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions or comments to Father Disposito and we would also take this moment to remind you that all correspondence with us is strictly confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found the show to be informative, helpful or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who help make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I am Matthew Arthur. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.